Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza Power! That's right, when Super Giant Pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Hi there, and welcome back to Pixel Pizza. No, we are not dead, even though it has been a few days. I apologize for the wait. I have been very sick. And as you may know, being sick is no fun. Lots of staying in bed and doing a whole lot of nothing while my mouth is burning alive, and it absolutely sucks. But I am on the mend. I'm feeling a bit better and unfortunately, my guest and I had to cancel for this week because I wasn't well at the time. So, we are going to be speaking with that guest in a couple weeks. Look forward to that. But we got more fun guests coming up in the future. And as you may or may not know, this is week 15 of Pixel Pizza, which I'd say is a big enough milestone for one of the old clip shows. So in lieu of a guest, that is what we're going to be doing this week. We're going to be having a good old-fashioned Pixel Pizza Clip Show. So I'm going to roll through the different episodes that we've done, pick out a few fun highlights, and you can catch up. Episode 1, Chris Chung. The way I tend to look at games, uh, or at least designing games when, when I'm kind of starting out on an idea is trying to latch on to a, a fun and interesting experience that I haven't seen before. Um, and that that's how Cat Lateral started was I, you know, had always had always grown up with cats and, um, you know, had this theme for this game jam be, you know, an interesting first person game. Um, I, I was kind of thinking like, what what games haven't I seen that that would be interesting and and a first person cat game was one where i i hadn't seen it before and as far as i could tell it, it didn't exist uh, or at least uh not not in a professional or like a released capacity um so just kind of thinking like what what is something that a player would want to do in a game that they they haven't done before or you know what's a what's a place or an environment that a, a player would want to play in that that they haven't or they can't experience in real life um and that's just kind of taking that perspective uh, is is kind of how I start thinking of of new game ideas, um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of different angles that that people come from. I know a lot of uh, bigger companies are you know what what makes the most money or you know what what can we do with this or that um, or or what's popular right now. Um, so yeah, I feel like I, I don't know if, if if my approach is the best way, but I, I I try to think first and foremost like what what is the player going to experience um, at, at a high level and try to try to design from there. 
Totally, yeah. I think there are so many times I've played a game where it's brought an idea to the table and it was something that I said to myself, you know, I never knew that this was something I wanted. I, I was just playing, have you played Donut County? Yes. Yeah. That is, I just played that yesterday. And like that idea of like just having the hole on the ground that gets bigger and bigger is something I never would have even dreamed would have been like a game idea, but they made it so cool and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that. Uh, I, I kind of think there are definitely games that I've played where you know, while I'm playing them, I think, you know, this could have probably been a movie <laughs> or this could have been, you know, some other medium. Um, so yeah, definitely thinking, yeah, like collateral, like, like Donut County, like what is a thing that's only possible in a game um, that, that players haven't seen before. And I think that's, that, that's at least what gets me excited about, about games. Episode two, Naomi Burgess. Uh, I'd, I'd taken a like intro to computer science course and I don't know, there was something about it that like, I, I really latched onto in terms of like the fact that like making a computer do, do something that you wanted it to do felt almost like a, a logic puzzle, which I was, you know, you know, having grown up playing a lot of like, you know, old like point and click games and like grew up playing like the Myst series of games, um, you know, all sorts of all sorts of things like that. Like I I was I I was super into that kind of work and I was like, OK, so I know I want I know I like programming or at least this aspect of programming. I want to get more into it. And so I did another course in um, programming. And at the end of that course, there was this thing where you had to do like a, like a term project that was like a, some huge amount percentage of your grade. Um, and I, re I distinctly remember, well, it was like, I, I wanted to make a game I don't, because I, I think it, I, I don't even, I don't remember why I was just like, I, I like, this is something that like, I have the power to do it now. And like, I think Cause like growing up, I I've been playing a lot of, you know, these super old like adventure games and things. And I was like, I'd already been primed to like, I was already very interested in games um, from that, from like an early age. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make my own now. And I think it was, it was called, uh, I think it was, I called it like Parka. Um, it was, it was made in Pi entirely in Python um, which, uh, is not something that I guess one usually would make a game in these days, but it's, it was, you know, that was kind of like a requirement of the project because we had all been learning Python the entire, uh, semester and yeah, we, we had to make the thing in Python. Um, and I remember I was like, okay, so I want to make this essentially what it what it was was just a bunch of like flat screens and things that were like you know when you when you um um tap left and right it would like render a different uh screen or something well actually let me get to the interesting part um essentially what it was was kind of like this uh mini adventure game type thing where you were like 
you were walking through the, you were trying to like walk through this like, like frozen barren landscape and trying to get to this house in the distance. And you, you had to um, manage a couple of things where it was like how much heat you had left and how much food you had left in your stomach, like how hungry you were. And as long as you walk, continued to walk forward, I think you would still lose heat, but a little like, like much less than you would if you just stood still. But the thing was you couldn't like forage for food if you stood still uh, or if you, or if you were walking rather. Um, so you had to stop to like, you know, once your once your once your uh, hunger was getting uh, to a point where it was really high, you had to like stop and like actually start to look for uh, food and like click around the screen for these little things that would show up. They were like, oh yeah, that's food. And you, you know, pick it up. And the, uh, the idea was that you had to get to the house in the distance before you, before either of those meters uh, ran out. And I, I think in general, I was like, the, the feeling I was going for, I think was like, also a, a big part of this game was like the, uh, this like overlay that I had on the screen where it was like, you know, constrained to the point where it was like you, you were wearing a big heavy coat with a hood that was like, you know, pulled into the side. So everything else is black except for like this one little area. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, I like that whole thing was, well, initially it was supposed to be sort of like a metaphor for tunnel vision in general like the feeling of it the feeling of being like i have to get to this thing no matter what nothing else matters and like you know no matter like no no matter how like like i'm gonna get to the thing no matter how much pain it costs Mm. um that that might have gotten i think that might have gotten a little bit lost in the implementation of of the game but the I, i think the general feeling i think is is still like the, I think the general intent still holds up, but yeah, that was like the first game that I ever made. Episode three, Owen Watson. Yeah. So, um, we, we would always start off with like, um, like paper prototypes, like, or like on a whiteboard. Um, and basically, you know, we have like play test Fridays where, you know, anyone can bring in an idea that they want to try out for a game. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're an artist, if you're an engineer, if you're in QA, anyone can bring, you know, something to the table and, and test it out. Um, which is really cool. Um, cause it's a very sort of collaborative environment. Um, and so, so basically, you know, like we're all, we're, you know, we're all gameplay testers and, you know, we play, we play all the prototypes and kind of fish out which ones need a little bit more work which ones would never work in a million years <laughs> and then ones that are like oh i could see this as a game and then we kind of move on from there um and then you know uh our leadership team at the end of the day decides on you know which one of the prototypes uh gets greenlit um but um you know since since uh covid um testing uh party games that you know were originally intended to be played in the same room um you know at at first it was it it was a struggle trying to figure out you know how how to do this because you know like before a writer could just write out some cards and pass them out right um 
but now there needs to be an element of at least, you know, some sort of interface, um, you know, like, for instance, um, I think job job started out as like a slideshow presentation that, um, you know, we, we just kind of play tested in, in a Google sheets, um, and kind of tried to develop it from there. Um, but, um, I mean, so far I think it's, it, it's worked out. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially for you guys, the adaptations you've had to make because of the pandemic would be. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's, the original intent of you know especially some of the the earlier party packs was you know to be in a room with a bunch of people which uh who knows when that's going to happen <laughs> again um so you know when when the pandemic started um a lot of people started playing them over zoom and you know uh and kind of you know so we we projects that we were currently working on, we sort of had to pivot a little bit and make it a little more streaming friendly. Um, because, you know, we didn't, and thank God we did, because, you know, like, we didn't know when the pandemic was, was going to end. Um, <laughs> and we're still here. Um, but, you know, like, it, it, it is a little bit of a pivot, like really thinking and considering like, the core of this game is still a bunch of people in the same room, but it also has to be just as enjoyable over Zoom. Um, so like that balance is 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 sometimes complicated for sure. Right, because you could have just a big family playing it together at home, or it could be something that's played in the future whenever this ends. So yeah, yeah. And you know, like also, you know, people with large, like, Twitch audiences, you know, um, that was, you know, uh, we've always had um, sort of an audience uh, feature where the audience can sort of play along. We've had that since Party Pack 3. Um, and then we kind of, we're kind of pushing the boundaries on that to make it more interactive for the audience. So the audience can directly you know change something on the screen or vote to assemble a certain thing um so we definitely also have you know twitch streamers in mind too episode four Catherine defeo i do love using dreams as an inspiration oh. um yeah like whether it's for like how um, like a piece of the HUD moves or like, uh, if I need to design like, um, a symbol for an icon, I do, I do like to reference dreams, things that I've seen in my dreams. Um, I like to keep a, a dream journal and write down if I have a, a specifically strange or striking or even terrifying dream i like to write them down and, and reference them later so yeah any memorable dreams you've had that went into the journal definitely <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know if talking about all of them on on the podcast yeah, just one just one <laughs> let me see actually 
Um, I have, I have a, I, I have both a written journal, like that I keep by my bed. And I also have a, I have a online journal. Where is it? So let me see if I can bring one up. I do like, you know, writing thoughts down on paper though. I feel like there's something to it, some sort of like power and emotional release that you don't get when you're typing it out. Absolutely. It's, it's same with, I'd say it's same with drawing too. I actually, when I'm not working on, you know, game stuff or like doing day job stuff, I try to sketch with a pencil on paper as, as much as I can when I have time, just because it feels it's, it's a very different feeling. Absolutely. Um, Oh, let me see. Oh, there was, there was this one week a few months ago where every time I'd be, I'd be like walking. It didn't matter if I was like walking through like a city, like a huge abandoned city or like the woods near my childhood home, I would look down at my feet and I wouldn't be wearing shoes. I was always barefoot. And then I would wake up. Wow. <laughs> so like, I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, the, sim- the symbology of, of it all is very fascinating to me. I love that yeah, stuff. Is. Episode five, Dennis McCory and Lester Reynoso. Yeah, I'm only a producer out of necessity. I have not um, <laughs> uh, received like formal training in any of that, but I have been in a lot of software engineering fields that I've got to observe a kind of uh, project management uh, practices and kind of experience it from the other end. But as far as managing each other, uh, it's a little bit more of just we come, we meet to, we meet regularly. We plan our uh, week or, or a couple weeks we plan about a couple of times a couple months in, ad, in advance um constantly chatting on discord uh, about whatever we're working on whatever ideas that come to mind um i don't know anyway you got uh i part of it which i i which is huge i believe is that like we also like check in on each other like and also like check each other um because we you know crunch is a really dirty word and like we're we both we we're both like really driven guys and like we will be like workaholics um so we'll be like it's like hey like don't overdo it or like you know it's like did you drink water today um (laughs) and like trying to like catch each other like hey we're actually like doing really good it's like you know what yeah we are because we're like really you know nose like you know nose the dirt um on like these projects and it's hard to kind of like take a uh, like take a step back and see where we're at um but yeah it's this thing of like i want lesser to be okay as a person first and like because no game is worth like because because we never there has not been a conversation in our professional environments like where it's like hey man i need you to like carry your weight or any shaming or guilting like that it's the it's like no nah, man it's good like you had stuff going on this week. Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, we found that's, that's kind of very important. That's really great. Episode six, Alana Marie Chevron. Yeah. Um, well, it's, you have to almost just imagine like just every single little detail. It's like, how heavy is this sword? What is it made out of? How much 
does it actually pain you to lift the sword? Um, you know, depending on like how much you've conditioned and how much you've conditioned your body to fight that way. Like, are you strong enough to do that? Um, and also just like having in your imagination, just like the textures of everything. Um, I don't know, like during Trials of Mana, for instance, it's like, I thought like, okay, well, you know, let's put the voice on first. And then what am I going over? Like, what am I hopping over? And then how high is it? And I'm in my flouncy clown suit and I, it's a little difficult to do that. So how much effort would that take? And <laughs> coming down, you feel like you're in a parachute. So it's just having that, that um, <clears throat> like that uh, knowledge of just, okay, like, what are you wearing? Like having every little thing sort of in your head. And then, I mean, it's like in layers, like you, you're layering on each little detail of who you are. And then you're kind of able to come up with those different sounds. Um, if it's like, you're casting a different spell each time. How much power and effort does it take? Because each spell is gonna be different. So it's just having that sort of, um, you know, underlying knowledge of everything. And um, I don't know, like you do have to kind of overthink it in a way, but that's what helps you build the world as well. Episode seven, Peter Lazarski. You know, it's I've, I've been kind of excited that like people like visual novels have gotten, you know, bigger over the years because that's like another that's like another thing too. like people that are interested in creating games. But, you know, you're, you have to kind of cater to your strengths and dodge your weaknesses in a sense. Like if you if you can't find a collaborator or someone you can hire that's going to address your weaknesses like you don't have to let that stop you necessarily. It's like, if you, if you can program, but you don't do art, you know, there's ways for you to make something. If you do art, but you don't program, it's like you can skin an engine or something. It's like, you might need a little bit of like, you know, unity or game maker know-how, or there's like all these different tools, but that's like the other thing too, is a lot of information is sort of out there and free now and it's not all behind paywalls or you don't have to go to school to to learn how to do this stuff like i didn't i didn't study game design or game development in school it's just something that i've kind of sought out and practiced on my free time and and again too having that time is a luxury but uh you know people like if if there's something you want to do you just try to try to like find something and like carve out a corner of it and you know, see what you can make of it. Episode eight, Charles Bardon. Uh, we had to think about it as half a movie, half a video game, but we really wanted it to be to be a video game. But mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> since we knew we wanted to all the narration to go through music and visuals alone, no words, anything, uh, no voice we had to make sure that visuals and music would tell, really tell this story. And so 
the, the way we made the game was once we found the formula we wanted to, for, for, for gameplay, what we made was we created, I created a, a full story. We reduced it to a certain amount of chapters. Then we decided what would be in each chapter. Then we decided uh, what would happen at each moment of this chapter. Ah. Then the music came. Because we knew that at this moment, this character would do this thing, we knew which instrument we would use. But we also had to take care, which was really complicated, of the, the way the game was balanced. Because we had to begin very softly and then increase difficulty progressively. So <clears throat> all those things had to be made together, thinking, OK, I'm going to use this instrument, making this theme with this tone, etc., at this precise moment, because the story does that. But it also has to work with the way the gameplay evolves and the characters evolves, evolve, etc. So it was a real, really complicated process. So yeah, storyboards, the gameplay, the, the, the very first, uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain in English for me, but yeah, we first started with gameplay mechanics, very <clears throat> basic gameplay mechanics, then story, then storyboards, then music, then real visuals, then sound design. Episode nine, Marcus Horn. Um, I was like, I was thinking at some point, you know, we could try to like make a game in four months and um, sell it for a super low price. Originally, I think I wanted to make it in three months, but you know, things happen. Um, and I think, yeah, originally Tori was very different. Now, well, not very different, but it was more like Super Mario 3D World, like a fixed camera, like, you know, a bit from, from above. And you were only uh, uh, um, walking around with a character. And it was a different character. It was, uh, it was also planned for a mobile release. Mm. Like, not, not just a port, but actively thinking about how this would work well on mobile. And like I worked on this prototype for two weeks. This was way before all of this happened. And I kind of abandoned it because it was really boring. <laughs> and um, after coming up with the idea of making a small game for Switch and see if it works, um, I remember this prototype. I was like, you know what? I just, I'm going to use this and I'm going to um, make it into a real 3D platformer. Um, because like this, this mobile hybrid thing was boring. And um, yeah, I, 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 just, I just started working on it. And I had like at least uh, three different types of, of uh, like level layouts, like level designs, because I couldn't decide on what, what way it should go. I, I originally, it was like a very simple version of the usual collectathon thing. You just run around like a small kind of sandbox thing and collect stuff. Um, but it felt really empty and boring because it was missing a lot of stuff. 
And eventually I, I, I uh, got to the point where I said, okay, it's more fun to just walk around from A to B. And then I, I worked on the movement a lot until I was satisfied. And I just like one thing led to another, like the first actual level that existed was the, um, the first ice level, the second part, like this, this slide. Oh, yeah. That was the, fir- the very first Tori level thing that existed. And it's probably the least normal level. Um, so I just, you know, I, I, I got, basically I just tried out a lot of things and see what worked, no, what, what was fun. Didn't even care if it worked. If it was fun, it stayed. Um, and yeah, at some point I got, uh, got help from a friend with a level design. Um, also Sebastian did a level himself. Oh, cool. So we got all of this done in time. And yeah, then we released it. And at first it seemed like people don't like it because they thought, oh, it's a one, one euro, one, uh, one dollar. So it must be a bad game. And I was like, ah, okay. I mean, it was just four months. It's not that bad, you know, if it fails. But then the um, like people started picking up, saw a Nintendo Live video and things like got better. Episode 10, Alisa Menes. So that's that's sort of funny because like um, I noticed a lot in like indie game kind of the like, communities that I was part of. Uh, a lot of uh, designers were more focused on kind of like short experience games. So you know, I kind of got into it like thinking, oh, I'm going to score like an RPG and write all these tracks. But uh, realistically, um, it makes a lot more sense for indies. You know, we're starting at the same level as I was to put out smaller experience games and those games might have needed maybe one or two tracks tops but needed a lot of um sound effects is kind of the nature of those games so a lot of um indie game developers uh that i knew were looking for people who could not just make music but do sound effects too and i realized there were a lot of opportunities for sound design so um kind of out of necessity I was just asked on, you know, a project I was working on if I can do sound effects. And I said, yes, I kind of agreed to it without realizing that, oh, maybe, uh, you know, can I actually do this? Um, but I learned, I worked hard at it and um, yeah. Uh, and it just became um, another, uh, another good skill to have, you know? Uh, so definitely learn sound design if you want to get into uh, game audio too. For sure. What was like the first sound effect or the first the first music track you had to write for a game when you were just like well uh oh um honestly it's been so long it's hard to um the first sound effect i think i had to make was like this uh buzzer sound like a game show like "Eh, you're wrong you know um and i remember like really struggling with that um i don't think i did a good job i used like a trombone mouthpiece and i think distorted it or something um you know uh so i tried that um that wasn't the first sound effect i made though the first sound effect i got to make was for a game jam and it was like this like brain slug game and they like (laughs) kind of it's it not totally not ripping off futurama uh or inspired by futurama I should say. Um, so yeah, the brain slugs like attach and detach. And the um the person uh who was making that game like wanted me to like do something with like you know like applesauce or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't want to get food on my kitchen floor or I don't wanna 
make a mess or anything so i just used my mouth and i just made this like really disgusting attaching detaching like slimy sounds i can demonstrate it if you want all right this is an audio format you certainly could <laughs> so uh it's really gross um so just prepare it's like this like <sighs> like that's like really gross kind of like attaching detaching sounds that's great that totally that that would convince me if i wasn't if i wasn't looking i wouldn't that's that's the magic of sound design though yeah. you you see what you hear with your eyes right yes yeah <laughs> so that's uh that that was uh so that was my first like game sound effect but uh the buzzer one was the first one i was like paid to make i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah episode 11 lex Oberwetter. Mm-hmm. I think pacing is also another very, very underthought about um, part of writing. And it's a harder one to teach. Um, I know because my mom used to teach it. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, mom. <laughs> she was like an uh, adjunct at NYU for a while. And that was her big thing was talking about pacing. Um, oh, that's really cool. It's a, yeah, it's, it's some, that's definitely something I actually still struggle with is pacing, for sure. And it's hard. And, and video games are another place where pacing gets harder because you're not in control completely of how a player will go through a game. I cannot um control how long you'll pick up a puzzle a great example of this is that two weeks before we were doing uh, our our asset lock on the game uh james asked me to write a bunch of lines to play on the side of the screen when people are solving certain puzzles and we didn't have time to play test this this feature really um and i was like okay i'll do it based on like how i would play the puzzles um, and it turns out that no one ever reads any of those lines because they, they go in way too slowly for anyone to see the oh. two weeks of work I did. Oh no. Um, I think I wrote like a thousand individual lines and like no one can see them. I mean, it's, it's what happens. That's just game development, but yeah. no one can see them because it is not paced properly with, um, well, it's not, we don't have any kind of dynamic pacing thing or anything like that. So if someone goes really slowly, you will actually see other lines. But if you're going quickly, you're never gonna, you're never gonna see the lines. Um, so that, that was a big lesson too. I was like, all right, I, you can't control players. You can't do that. Yeah, nudge them, but you can't control. Would you say there is like a way you could adapt to that on your next project, or is that just something you're gonna have to like? The next with? project, um, well, actually, my possible solutions I would think of is like so. PML didn't have any voice acting, um, which is fine. I, I don't really think voice acting is necessary in like an indie game necessarily. Sure. Um, also, that would deny all the lovely streamers who read all the lines out loud um, the fun and pleasure. Uh, I, I pop in on streams of the game sometime and people always read it out loud. And I'm like, this is, I would hate watching this all the time, but this is someone <laughs> people like. So, and people are always charming and sweet about it. Um, but that's the number one thing is like, if the, if the lines had been voiced, you would be able to hear them without having to distract yourself from your puzzle to look at the um, the game. Um, or if they came in over the screen in a different way, or if like the fact that you couldn't see them was part of the game, which was something I toyed with really early on. I was like, what if it's like, you're on the date, but she's too distracted by puzzles to pay attention to her date. So you have to you have a quiz at the end. And I was like, that is too complicated, but interesting idea. Put it in the, put it in the back burner. Um, yeah, I think the next pr- next project, no more um, pick cross. So, uh, <laughs> no more pixel, pixel, pixel puzzles. Episode 12, Jake Ennis. Like, I, I, I approach things from a probably a pretty artistic kind of view as an artist, like where you can kind of like 
make anything anything because i feel like podcasting is very it's still very set in the format of what it is which is often just just you know one to x amount of people talking with nothing in the background and that's what most people want i remember a lot of the the most critical feedback that i received in the beginning and still receive today is i turned it off because there was music in the background and that's fine (laughs) that's fine a lot of people can't take that level of stimulation or, or 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 i guess diversion from what they think a podcast is or is supposed to be but you know i, I it did it, you know it always has been like just a, a talking medium but i came from radio as well and i'm a musician and i you know i started to think i've got all these connections in the music industry from working for labels and being being a musician and dj for so long why don't I start incorporating that into the show? I'll start interview. This isn't really answering the question. Is that how Cult Tracks came about? Definitely, yeah. I but I started interviewing. I thought I've got all the I've got all my friends in music. Why don't I get start getting them on the show? And I know, as an artist, when you get interviewed by a lot of the musical press you get asked the same if you do especially if you're doing a press run you get asked the same questions you get asked the same 10 questions right. 50 times over so i'm gonna get uh, i'm gonna get musicians on i'm gonna get artists on but i'm not gonna interview them about their music i'm gonna interview them about video games mm-hmm. and the interviews i got out of that were just so 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 good because they were so ha- my you know uh, whether they were, whether i knew them personally or not they were so happy to be talking about uh something that, that something else that they were passionate about you know you know because I, I would ask a lot of people what's your earliest video game memory and that immediately brings people back to like a nostalgic time like a really special time especially if they are hashtag gamers <laughs> Episode 13, Miharika Jen. Yeah, you're right. Like, I worked a lot with stylized characters. Like, even when we were on the animated film project together, it was very stylized. And when I was doing contract jobs, it was more cartoony characters, like little monsters in a game, like a mobile game app. So uh, it was kind of very different. And uh, obviously, animating a cartoony character is involves a lot of exaggeration and... I had a previous, uh, my previous uh, job, which was a contract job, was the role of a technical animator. So I would work on the skeletons for those monsters or even animate them. And uh, it was like you have to make them uh, look funny, make them exaggerate, uh, have their emotions exaggerated. And those are like two legged monsters, little tiny monsters that you have to animate. (laughs) And then uh, in this game, you have big characters who are very known to a lot of players and people are fans of them and uh, the style that we were trying to achieve was like very realistic like to make them look as real as possible so 
it was very interesting like when you're working on uh, vfx for these characters like cloth and simulation systems or like uh, working with the realistic characters you have to make sure if you add an exaggeration then it becomes a distraction for these characters because then they don't look real because a real person wouldn't do this so you have to make sure that uh, you are limiting yourself in exaggerating anything and you're making uh, the physics look as real as possible and it sh uh, it should match with it should come as close to as the real person would be or the real person as a character would be so it was kind of tough and we got a lot of guidance from our seniors and like um you had to study like how a human body moves in actual uh because for me it was mostly like oh but i have to exaggerate everything right. like it's the main principle of animation exaggeration <laughs> so uh i had to tone it down and like understand the basic physics uh about our world and understand how a human body functions so that's a, quite a change and a good learning experience for me because it gave me an opportunity to work on these kind of characters too what did you use to learn about like the way the body works was it were you reading a lot of like biology books or watching youtube stuff or yeah, it was kind of like uh, studying the basic body and then uh, my seniors helped me a lot because they would teach us, oh, this is how our body would move. And then we would have sessions together where they would teach us about, uh, you know, like, uh, as I told, I mentioned, we had figure drawing classes in, in, uh, in our studio in the beginning also. So during the pre-production, we were informed a lot about how this body should function we have this kind of animation and how this should work with this so it would be a lot of like back and forth and then it was sometimes it would be through our seniors where we would learn these things and a lot of times it would be like okay uh, we have to study these characters we have to study how this person behaves and then see how it goes from there so it was a lot of like back and forth between learning from our seniors as well as learning it on our own episode 14 Andrew and Brian Allenson. So getting into Two Brothers, uh, where were you guys in your life when you made that? Um, we were, I was in college. Brian had just finished college and he had started the game himself on his own uh, as screenshot mockups and... Um, pixel art tests and the crazy thing is brian did it as a way to wind down from working on his thesis which was a 3d animation wow. so to take a break from doing 3d art he did 2d pixel art yeah and the pixel art in that game is so detailed that's for like for a thing to do on your break that's so in depth oh thank you yeah um it was kind of relaxing to just sort of make it it helped that it wasn't colored or at least in the beginning it wasn't Mm. that kind of let me just sort of focus on the different shapes and character ideas yeah i think um the whole idea for that game had come about from brian having done it in 2d and i'm not in 2d sorry in black and white uh and then um one day he colored the sprites and then it's like wow these both look really interesting so maybe maybe the game needs to be both black and white and in color and it just like made the story very obvious immediately and and when did sort of you said other people came into the mix? Uh, when in development did that happen? Uh, pretty early on, but they didn't really do 
too much in the end. Most of it fell on on Brian in the end. Uh, like you know, we had people who were going to like help us bring it to the Wii U, but they um it, they got overwhelmed and it, it didn't didn't work out. Uh, and then um you know there were some friends from school um, from uh, the community college that uh, we had gone to before we started the game. Um, so pretty early on, we were trying to work with other people, but it definitely yeah. I think maybe um, one of our friends made it to the end with us. Yeah, Ian made it to the end. Yeah, and uh, he he did the side a side quest series, but like the the bulk of the development was really uh, Brian's labor. Oh wow! That so it was like me and Brian brainstorming ideas, and you know me doing audio and working on the story, and you know doing dungeon ideas with him. But really, you know the, the effort was on Brian's end there. Kudos to you because that was a big undertaking. Yeah, the the uh, game sort of ballooned in scope. Um, it was just sort of like something that we kind of we planned it, but the way that we planned it, it just sort of kept having to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, a lot of a lot of amateur mistakes. <laughs> Would you say that was a lesson you learned moving forward about scoping? I think we learned it after we finished Y two K. Yeah, I think it's That's a lesson that I'll probably be learning for the rest of my life. Yeah, like, you get a little I bit think... better at it each time. For sure, yeah. <laughs> like someone can tell you something, but it doesn't like register until. Yeah, later it's on. even like being told you have to get to the other side of the project before you can really see mistakes. Like, um, even if you know, like intellectually, oh, I shouldn't do this, or I need to plan it this way. Uh, I mean, like as soon as you declare something, like there's going to be one dungeon for each color. You've already yeah things like that. Is, yeah. All right, folks, that's it. We have covered all the clips in this clip show, like any good anime arc. And now we are on to the next one. So we will be seeing you next week, fairly soon. For I guess would it be season two? Yes, my show, my rules. This is going to be season two of Pixel Pizza coming at you. Enjoy next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.